0: Pause for a moment and reflect and remember and acknowledge and declare that you are good. That's not what you do. That's who you are. And you delight in showing your goodness toward us. And we bless you for that. We thank you for that. We're here today because we have been the beneficiaries of that goodness. And Lord, we come again wanting more of it. We bring nothing. We have nothing. We come with need, with want. But we come to one who has an abundance And so we ask for your help. We ask you to speak to us. We ask you to change our lives. We ask you to give us grace. And we'll thank you for doing that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're a student, you are dismissed. Just. I will. Yes, sir. Thank you for the reminder. Um, Just a quick little uh word um back in the back as always we have these little bags if you would like to go back and get one at the end of the service and put it in your car it's a wonderful way to just to show some kindness and charity to folks that you might see on the side of the road or at an intersection they just need a word of of hope and love and so they're back there take one put it in your car and uh, give it to somebody that could use it, okay? Um, Bethany, well, thank you, thank you uh, for leading us in worship today. Um, we're so pleased and blessed that you're here with us. The reason Bethany is leading worship today is because Chris uh, and Megan had their little baby Friday. I think that's right, Friday. I'm close. And her name is Scarlet. And uh, they're home now, safe and sound. Everybody's healthy and wonderful and good. And so uh, just wanted y'all to know that's where Chris is. And if you think about it, you pray for Chris and Megan and for Scarlett and just that that, uh, the baby will grow and thrive and flourish, okay? Um, Don't forget about the Super Bowl parties for the youth at Nick and Allison's and the one for the adults is at Kim and Jerry's. And... um, Anyway, it's going to be fun if you can come. Be at one of those, please do. Bring bring a snack, food if you if you're able. If you can't, that is no problem. But if you can, that'd be a good thing. Um, the flowers today are given in honor of Sherry, and so uh, Don Don Johnson's really the one that thought that up, and uh, uh, just wanted to to give him thanks for uh, his sensitivity and kindness. And isn't that right, Kim? <laughs> anyway. We just want uh, that he wanted everybody to know. Not that he wants any credit, but anyway, uh, uh, no, just anyway. Uh, And then lastly, let me just say that uh, I was telling Zach, I guess today. I don't know how many of you came Friday night to the visitation for Sherry, and I do know how many came yesterday to Sherry's funeral. And uh, if we have 150 people involved in our church, I'll bet two-thirds of the church came Friday night or Saturday. Um, thank you. Thank you for praying for their family. Thank you for showing them that she was wonderful. and uh, just I just want to say thank you. That, that's important. That our little church showed up and um, honored someone that has poured their life into you. Whether you know it or not, Sherry Esther poured her life into you. And uh, uh, I just wanted to say thank you for honoring that and being a part of that. Okay, enough said. I think, did I forget anything, spouse? Everything good? Okay, all right. So glad you're here in here with us today. Hooray! Um, um, we are going to look at a little uh, an incident in the life of Jesus. We're into the last year of a three-year ministry that Jesus had as an adult on the earth, and we're into the third year. This is a significant moment in this third year because uh, we're going to see that Jesus does the, or has this experience, uh, this confrontation with this lady. Uh, in a synagogue, as far as we can tell, this is the last time that Jesus will ever go into a synagogue. Last time that the people in synagogues will have the opportunity to see and hear and receive from Jesus. You never know. You never know when the, the, it's the last time. You never know when it's the last time. And these people didn't know, they had no idea. That this was the last time that Jesus would ever darken a synagogue door. And uh, so I I find that significant. Uh, If you've got a copy of the scriptures. You can turn to Luke 13. And I'm going to read verses 10 through 17. And you will follow along if you will. One Sabbath. One Sabbath. He saw a lady who had been bound. Uh, Just so you know. Regardless of what your translation. The one you're using. I'm going to emphasize a word. They might have translated it differently but it's the same word okay i'm not damaging the scripture i'm going to jesus or well actually luke wants us to hear this word this word means something in this story okay so you'll see me as I, you'll hear me as i emphasize it. it says jesus saw a lady who had been bound by a demon she had been bent double literally like this for 18 years And was unable to stand up straight. She was like an L. Jesus called to her saying, Lady, you are unbound from your illness. And he touched her. And immediately she could stand up straight. Oh, how she praised God. But the synagogue leader was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath. There are six days each week for working," he said to the crowd. "Come on, those days to be healed, and not on the Sabbath." Notice he doesn't—he doesn't speak to Jesus. He's a coward. He speaks to Jesus by speaking to the crowd. He didn't walk up to Jesus. Jesus, I've got a problem. I've got a problem with what you're doing today. I want to talk to you about it. See, he's one of these Facebook people. I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> Loved ones are on Facebook, so I'm not throwing stones. I don't understand why you're on Facebook. But my loved ones, all my loved ones are on Facebook, so I'm not throwing stones at you. I scratch my head as I think about you being on there. But, and, and this is not true of everyone on Facebook. But I do think of this man, he would have been, he would have loved Facebook. I can criticize and rebuke and throw stones and denounce and slander and gossip. Without looking somebody in the face. He, this man was a coward. Just like those people are cowards. That slander us and criticize us. And gossip about us. But not to our face. For what it's worth. Um, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed. And not on the Sabbath. But Jesus replied. Notice. Jesus looks right in the face. He's not, he's not talking behind his back. Jesus. Jesus. Uh, 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 But Jesus replied, you hypocrites. And he's speaking now not just to the man. He's speaking to the group of people that agree with this man. He's gone from singular to plural. Okay? And he says, uh, but Jesus replied to you hypocrites, plural. Each of you works on the Sabbath. Don't you unbind your ox or donkey on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This lady is a daughter of Abraham and has been bound by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be unbound even on the Sabbath? This shamed Jesus' enemies, but the people rejoiced. At the amazing things that Jesus did. I already told you that Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. Uh, uh, for the last time. And in a room. Maybe not much different than this room. Uh, he, he's teaching these people. And he, he, uh, there's a lady present. Maybe back there where Kathy's sitting. And uh, she's seated there. But she has a problem. Uh, she is a lady that has experienced unbelievable pain for 18 years. Uh, she's literally bent double. The wording that Luke uses being a doctor, he uses very specific technical medical terms because he's a physician. And it's the way he describes her is she's literally bent double. Uh, her vertebrae are misaligned. Her muscles are knotted and her nerves are pinched. Her severe curvature of the spine has created unbelievable pain. Every, when she's still, she's in pain. When she moves, she's in pain. For 18 years, every aspect of her life has been spoiled, tarnished, or ruined because of this disease. Her appearance, her self-esteem, her marriage, her romantic life, her relationship with her children. You want your mama going to school, to your school functions like this? Her social standing in the community, her reputation... You're her job, her friendships, and really, you're going to invite this lady to lunch with you? Where would you go? Her household choice, horribly. An aspect of this lady's life that was not horribly impacted by this disease that she had. She cannot look into people's faces, she cannot see the clouds. For 18 years, she hadn't seen the stars. She sees people's feet. She sees the dirt on the ground and the trash that people have discarded. And yet, unlike... Let me turn it around. And yet, like Sherry Hester... when it was time for God's people to gather, she came. In pain, knowing that people were looking at her, snickering children, uh, uh, staring and, and, and laughing at her, people staring at her and talking about her behind her back. And yet, this lady, when the people of God get, doesn't say that she came because Jesus was there. She might not have even known that Jesus was there. She came because that's what God's people do when God's people gather. Her faith drew her back to God's house in spite of the pain, the stares, and the whispers. Luke words this funny, not funny, but uh, special. Literally what Luke says here is that while Jesus was teaching, he looks up and he sees this lady And he stops in mid-sentence. Right in the middle of his sermon, he stops and looks up at this lady. He uh, closes the scroll that he was reading from and he calls out to this lady and says, I want you to come up front. Probably not what that lady wanted to hear. Would you think? I'd want to be in the back. I'd stay home. I'd stay home. But she came, but she probably wanted to blend into the back. And Jesus said, no. Lady, come up here with me. When Jesus sees her, he knows every detail of the last 18 years. He knows the pain. He knows the shame. He knows how she has embarrassed and hurt her husband and her children. She knows all the things that the neighbors have said about her. How she probably deserved this. Maybe she did something in her earlier days that caused this. Jesus knows her bondage, her shame, ridicule. Jesus knows all the nights that she went to bed with questions. God, I love you. I believe in you. Why? Why? Why why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? He knows everything that this lady had stolen from her for the last 18 years. And yet she gets up and she comes. She's embarrassed. She's afraid. But she obeys and she hobbles forward in front of a room full of gawking eyes. I couldn't help but think about that verse that Peter... Peter was there, just so you know. And maybe Peter thought of this lady years later when he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up. Humble yourself before or under the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up. If I just said, hey, Amy, come up here. I don't want to come up there. That's embarrassing. That's scary. I, I, I'm not going to come up there. Okay. I still love you. But humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up. And that's exactly what Jesus did. As she strains to look into the face of Jesus, she hears Jesus Speak these words. Dear lady, you have been set free from what has bound you. And immediately, instantly, her vertebra are realigned as they should have been. Her muscles that had been knotted were released and her nerves, the nerves in her back and neck were made or were restored. Eighteen years of bondage ended. She was able to stand up tall and erect. I find it very significant that the first thing she does when she's able to stand up is she looks up and praises God for His mercy and kindness toward her. She declares, Oh, one that I believe in and love and adore, thank you for your kindness that you have shown not only to Abraham, but to little old cripple ladies as well. You're not just the God of Abraham, you're the God of little old cripple ladies. But what fills that lady with praise and what fills that crowd with amazement fills this synagogue ruler with indignation and anger. He's blinded. He's blinded by his um, devotion to order. He's blinded by his devotion to control. Tradition to rules. You ever plan for weeks and weeks and weeks to celebrate a special event or meal with your family and then it doesn't go right? And then you're mad and bowed up? They're all there. The very reason you had the event in the first place was so that your loved ones could gather around you and it doesn't go perfectly. It doesn't go the way you planned. It doesn't go in a way where you're still in control. Your dead gum daughter-in-law is not managing her kids the way you know she, she should. And then you're furious. That's how he felt. He's mad. This is not going the way it's supposed to. This is not going the way I planned. This is not going in a way where I'm in control. And his anger and indignation blinds him to the very miracle that has occurred right in front of his eyes. He's angry because in his mind, God's Word says that man is supposed to keep the Sabbath sacred Surely that ain't me. Excuse, sorry. No, that ain't me. Whoever it is. Um, anyway, turn that off, uh, please. Um, he's mad. He's mad. I'm getting mad. No, I'm no. He's, he's mad because in his mind, men... Are not supposed to work on the Sabbath. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. Here's the problem. Here's what he's missing. The Bible never says that God can't work on the Sabbath. Later Jesus says this. You are in error. Because you don't know the scriptures. Or the power of God. Very significant. Scriptures never said that God couldn't work. God can work anytime he wants to. Hence, Jesus can work anytime he wants to. And the other thing that this man's missing, what work went on? Who worked? Did the lady work? She didn't do anything, just walk to the front. Did Jesus work? Woo! That was tough. Woo, I need to sit down. I need a drink. I need to take a break because I'm tired. Well, who worked? Where was the work? There's no work. He spoke, Lady, you are now unbound. There's no work involved there. This man is mad because he has missed the point of what the Bible was teaching about the Sabbath. The Bible says that the Sabbath was given to man as a gift to give us a day to rest and recharge and refuel and to reflect. It was never intended to be some kind of a restrictive bonded thing that binds people like that lady was bound. And Jesus tries... To appeal to this man's mercy and kindness. And just say. Don't you show kindness to your animals. By taking them out and giving them water on the Sabbath. I know you do. Shouldn't a child of Abraham. Be given the same. At least that amount of kindness don't miss what Jesus and Luke are trying to show us here two people in this story that are dealing with Jesus one has been released from that which paralyzed her restricted her confined her bound her and she's free Somebody else in this story had an encounter with Jesus. But he leaves Jesus just as paralyzed, just as bound, just as stiff, just as unbending as ever before. I want to quickly, I want to give you four things to think about. Number one, please don't turn me off until you hear me out. Okay? Okay. I have to believe that one of the things that Jesus is trying to reveal to us. To us. Not just to the people in the synagogue. But to us. He wants us to see that one of his primary ministries. Maybe his primary ministry of all. Was the ministry of giving people freedom. Jesus came to give people freedom freedom he jesus always saw people as god created them as he created them with a sense of nobility they're image bearers they have worth they have value they have dignity and that's the way jesus created them created us We were never created to be hunched over, bound and paralyzed and stiff and unbending and and angry and, and imprisoned. We were never created with our focus to be on the dirt and the trash. We were created to look at the stars and the clouds. Jesus wants us to see that. The gospel was given by Christ to communicate and to give freedom and honor. And you and I can argue all day long on how this applies, the specifics and the details. And I don't want to do that with you, but I I understand the, the arguments. But I have to believe that Jesus wants us to contrast His message and His ministry and His teaching which always was addressed to people to communicate I want to free you. I want to give you honor. I want to give you dignity. I want to lift you up. the gospel and God's grace always are to free people. Satan is always trying to bind people, imprison people, enslave people. Sin. When I choose to sin. Oh, this is going to be fun. And I Don't you put that religious junk on me. Don't you put those commandments on me. Don't you put those rules on me. I can live the way I want to. Yes, you can. Yes, I can. But there's a price. Sin always enslaves. Sin always lowers and pushes down and brings shame and dishonor. The gospel always frees people up and gives them honor and dignity. Jesus created us for freedom and honor and nobility, not for trash and bondage and shame and dishonor and humiliation. Paul says in Galatians 5 that Christ gave us freedom so that we could be free. So stand firm and don't be bound again to slavery. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, in a big home, there are things... For noble use, and there are things for ignoble use. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you are the habitation of the Spirit of God, I declare to you on the authority of my Savior in His Word, you were created for noble use. You weren't created for, uh, you're not a shovel used to dig, uh, to toss trash into a barrel. You are created to be uh, used in ways that are honorable and noble. Romans 6 says that we have been crucified with Christ that we may no longer be slaves to sin. Romans 9 says that God made some vessels to display His glory and other vessels to hold garbage. Today's not the day to talk about all the ramifications of what that says. But my point and Paul's point is simple. We were not created to be vessels that hold garbage. And that affects and applies to and relates to What I put into my eyes, what I put into my ears, what I put into my mouth, what I let out of my mouth, where I go, what I do, how I treat people, am I operating my life by what comes in and what goes out for nobility? With the realization that I have been created for nobility, for honor, for glory, and not to be some trash spouting trash looking trash listening trash doing creature God didn't create God created us to love, not lust God created us to be sources of truth, not lies God created us to be Vessels of contentment, not vessels of greed. God created us to be people that value variety, not consumed with prejudice. I think about the prodigal son. The father gave birth to that boy, or he he was a part of the process of, of birthing that boy. It never entered his mind that that boy would spend time living with pigs smelling pigs talking to pigs feeding pigs eating pig food that was he was created to be the son of a wealthy noble man aristocrat not to be somebody that lived with pigs. The same with Samson. I, th- I, I, st- I was thinking about this and how God, nobody that has ever lived, has ever been given the privilege that Samson was given. Literally, he could defeat the mightiest army with the bone of a donkey. What honor, what nobility, what what value, what worth to to be seen by your entire nation as the one that can deliver us and protect us and lead us. And he ends his life pulling a a gristmill like a jackass. God never created Samson to live like that. He never created him to bent down in shame. In does that in ridicule, in mockery. That's what sin does. That's what the devil does. That is not what God does. The lady caught in adultery. God never intended for her to go through that experience. Yes, what a picture of grace that she was delivered from that. And that is the testimony of everybody in this room. But that was not God's plan for her to, to have her life go through such hard. Learn to love your mate, lady. And sir, you're, you're as much a part of the problem as she is. Love her like you're supposed to love her. Give that freezer up to love you like she's supposed to love you. Not be thrown in into a public spectacle and... The demoniac, who knows when that man opened his life up to satanic activity. Who who knows when that man... But he opened the door, and one demon came in, and then another demon, and then another demon, and another demon. And there was a day when a man that was created in the image of God... And was loved by parents and had a family and had friends and had a a future and a life. He's living in a graveyard among tombs like some kind of an animal. Jesus embraced the role in this story that the father embraced with the prodigal son. He's a lifter up. A lifter upper. The boy comes to before the father. Father, I've sinned against you and against God. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Just make me one of your slaves. What's the father do? He lifts the boy up. No siree, Bob. You're no ignoble, shamed, trash shoveler. You're my son. You were created better. I will not allow that. I will not allow that. God created us for nobility and honor. And when I choose a path different than the path that I know God has revealed to me, when I treat people in ways that I know He doesn't want me to. When I go down roads, I know He doesn't want me to. I'm not talking about making mistakes. I'm not talking about our need to live uh, by perfection. That's... In my life, I'm talking about when I intentionally, willfully, pridefully, arrogantly, cantankerously, I'm going to do what I want. And God says, okay. But you are opening your life up to purposes and plans and activities that are so beneath you. They're so beneath you. Number two. Jesus calls this man and his buddies hypocrites. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I would just tell you he's talking to me. I am an expert at seeing the splinters in y'all's eyes. And I fail miserably at seeing the logs in mine. I'm an expert at straining, at getting hats out of my coffee. I fail miserably at getting the camels out. I wind up swallowing them all the time. A lot of people come to see me every week about relational problems. 90% of the time, one person is dragging the other person to see me. And they don't say it that way. But that's what they're doing. Pastor Larry, I want you to fix my mate. Okay. And as long as I operate in that place, me and the one mate are going to team up and fix the other one. (laughs) No waves, no problems. The minute I tell the dragger that they're as screwed up as the draggy, (laughs) that they've they've contributed to this mess, in every way that the drag he has, that they have, um, I'll just leave it at that, that they have contributed as much as the drag he has. It is as predictable. Thank you. God bless you. We'll be back next week. I never see him again. Because it's not my fault. They're lucky to have me. I'm a blessing. All the problem is them. I'm not. I don't just say that. To say something. I mean it. You are as big a part of the relational problem as your mate is. Or as a parent. Or as a child. Or as a friend. we all bring bad stuff to the equation. And yet we are so blind. And I can give you example after example. David steals another man's wife. And yet when he hears that a man takes a family's lamb, pet lamb, he deserves to die. You steal another man's wife and you kill the dude and you're mad. You want to kill a man because he took the family pet? Judas takes the money that the Pharisees had. I don't want this money. Temple to pay for Jesus to be killed. And Judas brings it back and says, I don't want this money. I'm taking it back to the temple." Oh, that money can't be in the temple anymore. It's defiled. You kidding me? You're worried about where the money's been? You're the one that paid. I think about Judah, the son of Jacob. Um, long story that I don't have time for, but Judah the son of Jacob has a daughter-in-law and he doesn't realize what he's doing. He's been tricked, but he pays his daughter-in-law to be uh, intimate with him as a prostitute. Months later he finds out that his daughter-in-law is pregnant from prostitution and he says she needs to be burned alive. Dude? Dude? You're the one that paid for her, paid to have sex with her. You're the one that got her pregnant. Oh, yeah, okay, never mind. We are blind to the sin in our own lives. I would just add how easy it is for us to be blind to the miracles. That happen right in front of us. We're so full of anger. And stress. We're so committed to getting our way. And winning. We're so committed to punishing. Those that have hurt us. That we miss the miracles. That occur right in front of us. And we miss the priorities of God. I want to say this. And I hope I'm not going to offend y'all. I can hear this synagogue ruler all week long praying just like I pray. God, would you please do something special in our gathering this week? Would you please minister to people? Would you please change people's lives? Would you please save people? Would you please heal people? Would you please let people experience your grace? Would you reveal yourself to us so that we can worship you? God, would you do something special and different and wonderful and unexplainable in our midst? I really pray that every week for us. And I can see this synagogue ruler praying that. And danged if God doesn't answer his prayer. (laughs) And he's mad. He's mad. Mr. Synagogue Ruler. What was the purpose of your gathering today? Why did you want to get together with the people of God? Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe the very things that took place were the very things that you had begged God to do. I want to turn that around just for a second. Forgive me for being quite so blunt. Remember why you got married? Rodney, you remember why you got married? Chuck, you remember why you got married? Boy, it's easy to forget what the original purpose was for. Easy to forget why you gather in synagogues. It's easy to forget why you gather in the house of God. It's easy to forget. It's easy to forget what the purpose really was. I can tell you why I got married. I'm just being as honest with you as I know how. I got married to that lady back there. Because I could not help. I wanted to spend time with her. All the time with her. I, could, I, I didn't want to do anything but spend time with her. I couldn't keep my hands off of her. <laughs> I wanted my hands all over all the time. I wanted time with her. I wanted my hands all over. I wanted to go through life fighting battles and addressing challenges with her and I wanted to grow I wanted to grow old with her I wanted to grow old with her You know sometimes it's easy to forget that's the purpose that's why I got married It's easy you know When's the last time I really spent some serious, undivided time just with her? Thought that was the reason you got married, Larry. Spent time with her. Reason you got married. When's the last time you put your hands all over, Larry? Thought that's the reason you got married. When's the last time that you address the battles and challenges of life with her, rather than making her the battle and the obstacle? I thought we were supposed to be a team fighting the battles, dealing with the obstacles. If I'm not careful, she becomes the obstacle. And Larry, are you treating her today in ways that help cement the plan that you're going to grow old with her? You could apply that to any relationship you've got. What's the purpose of our relationships. It's easy to forget while we come to church. It's easy to forget while we read the Bible. It's easy to forget while we pray. It's easy to forget while we get married. It's easy to forget while we make money. It's easy to forget while we live life. We forget the original purposes. Jesus was trying to remind this synagogue ruler of the purpose of the people of God gathering. Ah, I, I, I can't help it. I've got to say one more. Forgive me. I cannot I beg you men. I beg you men. I beg you men. We can't see this the way the people in the synagogue saw it. Jesus calls this lady a daughter of Abraham. Only time it's ever spoken in the Bible. Sir, shouldn't I show the same kindness to a daughter of Abraham? Abraham. As you would show to a donkey or a horse or a mule. What's Jesus saying when he calls this lady a daughter of Abraham? He's saying, lady. You have equal worth. Any descendant of a value, you have equal significance as any descendant of Abraham. As what the patriarchs deserve, you deserve. The honor, the help, the forgiveness, the healing, the future, the love. Whatever the descent, whatever Isaac and Jacob and the 12 patriarchs and Moses and David and Daniel and Jeremiah, whatever the sons of Abraham deserve, sir this this daughter of Abraham deserves it too. Jesus saw women as God created them. the beneficiaries and the deservers of the same worth and value and dignity and honor. As any man he ever created. God's plans for this lady. Were as important. As God's plans. For any man in that synagogue. God's involvement. God's commitment. Was as serious and passionate. As any man in that synagogue. That's how Jesus saw that lady. So my question is very simple. Jim. Jim. Clay, Allen, Hayden, do I see women as the daughters of Abraham? Do I see them that way? Do I talk to them that way? Do I treat them that way? Do I. Jesus treated women the way they deserved, the way they were created, the way they longed to be treated. Every problem that our nation is battling with today. Its root is that people have treated other people historically in ways that were beneath God's calling and God's plans and God's passion for them to be treated. Why is the world so full of division? Why is the world so full of hate? Why do people treat each other so badly? Because there was a day when people didn't see other people the way Jesus sees them. People don't talk to one another the way Jesus talks to us. Jesus doesn't. People don't uh, value and help and serve the way Jesus wants us to. She's a daughter of Abraham. Do I see my wife? Do I see Brenda? Do I see Sarah? As daughters of Abraham. Do I talk to them as if they're daughters of Abraham? Do I talk about them to other people as daughters of Abraham? I love to laugh. I love to kid. I love to joke around. I really do. And sometimes much to my wife's dismay, I love to tease. But there's a difference in teasing and laughing and enjoying. That's what I loved about Sherry Hester. She and I could tease and laugh and joke. She never made me feel like I was, oh my. Do we treat men? Our co-workers, our wives, our daughters, our moms, our female friends, our neighbors. Do we treat them like daughters of Abraham? We're gonna take the Lord's Supper. Um, let me see here. Catherine. You and Kim, y'all come up here. Y'all ain't done anything good this week. Come on up here and help us. Don had to bring order these flowers, oh you know. (laughs) You can't hold the Lord's Supper train until you get that root of bitterness out of your heart right there. (laughs) Okay. Um. Romans 6 says, We have been crucified with Christ. That we may no longer be slaves to sin. We have been crucified with Christ. That we may no longer be slaves to sin. My question is simple. Have you been crucified with Christ? What that means is. I believe Jesus died on the cross. And I want that death to count for me. I don't just believe he died on the cross for the world. I believe he died on the cross for me. I want that death to apply to my sin. That's my hope. That's my venue or way into heaven. I believe that. I declare that. If that's your belief and your declaration, then you come and you eat bread, which represents Jesus' precious body, and you drink wine or juice. Which represents his precious blood. And you just rejoice. That Jesus came. To set us free. From slavery. To sin. You come.